Welcome to Channel Hoppers, a brand new podcast made by a group of friends who work in TV. We all love TV and love talking about it, so I thought we'd come together to chat about what's new. We'll be focusing on scripted shows on both terrestrial TV and streaming platforms to see what's out there and what's worth watching. My name's Vicky and today I'm with Tom, Io and Amy. Coming up, we'll be talking about Atypical on Netflix and Loki on Disney+. Plus. But before we do that, this is a rundown of notable shows that are around at the moment. Okay, so on Netflix, Tom, you've been looking at that. What have you been watching? Yeah, I've been watching I Think You Should Leave, which is a sketch show by an American comedian called Tim Robinson. I was recommended it by two people that I know that aren't, they don't know each other and they're at opposite ends of my friendship spectrum, which I always think is like a good marker for, for a recommendation because it means that it's it's covering a lot of ground and being watched by a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. It's a very like American stand-up style of humor very loud in your face like quite broad I'd say and I often do find that sketch humor in general can be hit and miss and not always funny but but once you tune into the language of of this and Tim Robinson as a performer as well pretty much every sketch becomes quite funny there's some really laugh out loud like original innovative sketches and there's also lots of really interesting cameo appearances in, in the second season. So it's the second season that's on Netflix at the moment now. Bob Odenkirk in particular is part of a really funny sketch. So it's the kind of thing that you can watch, have on in the background and stuff. But it's a it's a very funny sketch show and I'd recommend it. Okay. Episodes like 20 minutes. Yeah, about 20, 20 minutes. Yeah. Leave your brain at the door. 20 minutes is, is good. I like it. Something you want to watch after work while you're eating your tea. Yeah. yeah and Ayo, you've been looking at Amazon Prime. Yeah. So I was really excited because I saw that Modern Love season two is coming out on the 13th of August. So not long to wait now. I watched season one and I just thought it was such a beautiful, beautiful show. I don't want to over, like, overdo my enthusiasm for it, but I'll explain. Season two is similar to season one where it follows couples or single people trying to seek out love and each episode follows a different story or couple or person and it's all just really lovely in the way that each story feels quite realistic and quite like heartwarming and sometimes tear-jerking if it's anything like season one. The trailer, I watch a trailer and there's quite a few big names in there so it's season one was quite an ensemble class and season two similar so we've got Sophie or Kennedy Kit Harrington and Anna Paquin are just some of the names in it season one had this fantastic episode with Anne Hathaway that kind of goes to show that even though these the series follows well it's all about love as you can tell from the title modern love Anne Hathaway's episode explored so much more than that in it I won't give away too much but I would say if you want to just have a sneak peek at what to expect and I'd recommend that episode it's episode three I know because I would watch it over and over again I've watched it twice and it's just really heartwarming so I'm really excited to watch it and I would encourage everyone to watch it because there's something for everyone because as I say each episode is a different story so yeah I can't say enough good things about it 
Oh, brilliant. You sold it to me. I'm going to be watching it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm a huge... I have a big girl crush on Lucy Boynton, who I know is in the second series, so I'm quite intrigued by that. But yeah. Cool. And Amy, you've been looking at Channel 4. Yes, I've been watching This Way Up on Channel 4, which is currently going out every Wednesday. This is the second season of this show, which I must confess I had been meaning to watch for ages and I haven't seen, I just for some reason hadn't got around to it. And it was a real once you pop, you can't stop situation. <laughs> and I watched the entirety of series one and series two in about four or five days. So I would highly recommend it. They're 20 minute episodes and it's an Ashling B creation. She She wrote it, stars in it. And I think she directs some of the episodes as well. She's definitely a producer. And she plays Anya, who is sort of recovering from what she describes as a teeny little nervous breakdown. And she and her sister, who's played by Sharon Horgan, are it's just a really, really smart comedy. It's hilariously funny. It's so it's got such a unique sense of humour, you know, really throw away little comments. You know, it almost you can miss things so easily if you're not listening carefully or paying attention. Because just every line of dialogue, nothing nothing is wasted. It's just everything is got you know, punch and grit and humour. And it's also absolutely heartbreaking. It's a lot of the events that take place or that sort of trigger Anya's breakdown are based on events that occurred in Ashton B's real life. So it's very much a, a very personal piece, I think. And you can tell that, that that that's the case when you watch it because she's poured everything of herself into it. And it, it really does just shine for that reason I I absolutely loved it I can't recommend it enough so yeah definitely definitely watch that that's a good a funny one but also can sort of put you in floods of tears within seconds of making you belly laugh so uh (laughs) you know not one to watch if you've just done your mascara but (laughs) it's really great sounds really similar to Sharon Horgan's catastrophe as well because she based a lot of that on her own experiences didn't she here and uh yeah so I'm not I've not seen catastrophe but I'm definitely off the basis of this like off the back of this I've really keen to watch more of Sharon Horgan because I I think she's really excellent in this yeah, like, they, they have such a great relationship between the two of them it feels so natural so realistic and yeah just I'll, I'm, de- I'm definitely going to seek out more of both of their work so that's what's on and now we're going to have a closer look at some of the shows we've been watching up first is a look at Atypical on Netflix and that's me and Amy So season four of this heartwarming series returns to Netflix following penguin-loving teenager Sam as he navigates the trials and tribulations of adolescence all through the unique lens of his autism spectrum disorder. Having ended season three with Sam finally beginning to thrive at college, season four brings a whole host of new obstacles as Sam moves out of the family home and starts to explore the possibilities that lay beyond campus life. This is a show that we did talk a little bit about last week because Vicky and I were both quite excited to start watching season four having both been avid fans of the first three seasons but we just thought we'd go into a little bit more detail now having watched it and just sort of explain a little bit more about why we love it so much so Vicky what did you think of this season a series four it's heartbreaking in a way because it feels very much like series four is the last series 
we followed Sam on his journey through leaving school, going to college, moving out of the family home, moving in with his friend, keeping his girlfriend. But not only have we followed Sam through all this, we've followed his entire family. And this is probably one of the only shows that we've watched recently where they've really fleshed out every member of the family. Like you were totally invested in Casey's sister and her relationship. Her finding out about her own sexuality is touched upon in this series. You know, the parents' relationship, Jennifer Jason Lee really knocks out of the park in this series, as does Michael Rappaport. But yeah, I think the reason why I love it so much is it's just a show with genuine heart. Like, when you get down to it, they just love each other. And it's something really nice to just watch a show where the basis and all of it is rooted in love. What do you think, Amy? I totally agree. I just, I think it's so often the case that when you're watching... I can't think of a good example now, but there are so many shows that you watch that are so cynical about humankind and about about family bonds and things like that. They, and this is so earnest in just the most brilliant way. I, don't, I say that as a compliment, not as a not as a negative. I just think it's you're right. It's got such heart. There is this real genuine, these real genuine displays of love and affection between family members, which doesn't doesn't at all spill into being. I don't know what the word is. You know, it doesn't doesn't come across all cutesy and like everything's fine all the time. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. not the case. But but that's what real families look like, and it's what real love looks like between siblings, between parents and children. And it it really, I think, it really pushes the boundaries of like what does what does it mean to love somebody unconditionally? Because I think that's a lot of a lot of what this show is exploring because you know the, yes, we have these yeah, relationships definitely. between yeah family but also between friends you know Sam is he's a difficult person to deal with you know as we all can be a lot of you know everybody in that family they all they all have huge flaws but they all do love each other truly unconditionally and I think that's it yeah it's just what gives it an edge because it's so rare in a tv show to get that I like this series that they did touch upon some, like you say, every character's got a flaw, but they did really touch upon some like hard-hitting issues. And at the same time, some of the issues that they touch upon, which would be hard-hitting in other shows, are almost just like accepted. Like Casey, you know, coming out to her dad, admitting to her dad that she's got a girlfriend when he works with her ex-boyfriend. And he was more concerned that everyone else knew before him. He was not, you know, they could have blown it up as like, oh, your dad's this macho paramedic guy. He hides his emotion. He's not going to deal with this well. And it wasn't. It was just played with such a downplay. Yes, I'm with a girl now. Absolutely. And I thought it was really interesting that they then, because like you said, he is portrayed as this slightly... Uh, I don't even know if macho is the right... It's just like a, he's a very sort of quiet unassuming blokey bloke isn't he yes, quite um, yeah. not somebody who likes to ex- sort of talk about feelings or anything like that and that has been portrayed throughout the first three seasons but then you know they had this storyline where he loses somebody close to him and you're right that kind of came straight off the back of this of what could have been this very dramatic moment but wasn't where Casey was coming out to him and instead they chose to channel that drama into into his grief and exploring his grief and his reaction to that kind of then like paved the way for them to explore their father-daughter relationship in a much more organic way. 
Yes, yeah, definitely. And then one thing I've really loved about this series is the introduction of the other characters, which they did in series three when Sam goes to college and he gets part of support group, doesn't he, with other autistic young adults or young adults who are on the spectrum, should I say. And they've really developed their characters, this series. And one of the things that I've really liked, I know that it came under some scrutiny for not casting an autistic actor in the lead role of Sam, but they fixed that in series three where they brought all these other characters in and having the autistic actors I think is it Sid who is his best friend and yeah. like just made her brilliant this series I've really loved her character yeah she's so funny because she's just this sort of hard-boiled entrepreneur type who's just out to make the whole cold hard cash and um, yes just sort of roping everyone into her schemes she's a bit of a you know, a bit of a Del Trotter <laughs> type. Yeah. But she's, yeah, they're just really funny. And I think that's really, really important is that everybody in the show is allowed to be funny, that there are, there are laughs that never feel like, it never feels like you're laughing at people, you're laughing with people. And I just, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that aspect. You're right, because it, it could have been, it could have gone one of two ways. You know, you receive criticism like that, which was not unjustified after the first season. But they they took that on board, it feels like, and they then, you know, made changes to accommodate that. And I think the show is much richer for it. Up next is a review of Loki available to stream now on Disney+. Yeah, so Loki's the latest instalment of Marvel's TV series that are currently streaming on Disney+. Tom Hiddleston reprises the role that he's played in many Marvel films now, and the series follows Loki as he moves through the multiverse after upsetting the Time Variance Authority, or the TVA. There are six episodes. Aya, what did you think? What were your thoughts? So, my first thoughts were that I like Loki, but I've never absolutely loved him. But I've always kind of wanted to. I've been open to it because I found him funny. So I went into this like thinking, right, I'm trying to ignore all of the press or just general thoughts I've had from people who've decided to give me their opinion unwarrantedly about the series. So I thought, right, yeah, drop everything and just watch it. And I found it, first of all, visually impressive. So there was a lot of CGI, a lot of like, yeah, a lot of CGI, I will say. And it was, I thought the casting was brilliant. I did find some of the new depth found in Loki's character really good. And I thought that was actually quite interesting in the way they definitely took his character in a completely different direction to where I thought they were going to go with with him. Because I've always thought he he's one of those characters where you like him, but you don't know that much about him other than, I mean, you do if you're really, really invested and you read all of the comics and stuff. And if you've watched all of, if you like him, you like him a lot. But I was expecting this to obviously not be like an origin story, but I knew it was going to change his character, but I didn't anticipate it changing his character this much, I will say. And as much as I didn't dislike it, but it's definitely not my favourite. I thought that it was as weird as it's going to sound because I absolutely love Marvel things. It was a teeny bit far-fetched for me in a really odd way. I found that the storylines were very out there, which is good, but a little bit too complex at some points because I think only because they have they've created a whole new universe, as you said, the, like, the TVA 
required setting up this whole new universe. And that is so hard to do in six episodes. So I think they did a, a fantastic job and it was incredible because they did create a new world. But I wonder whether they needed to because we are so familiar with all these... We're like, as Marvel fans, you get used to all these worlds. So use one that we have. That's something I wouldn't have minded if there was one of the many that they just use instead of creating a new one and having so many characters for us to get to know, get to like or not. Yeah, I did like a lot of the characters. I did find that, yeah, they were interesting, but it's just not my favourite. And I do think there were just a lot of things that could have been improved, but it was very entertaining. But yeah, a lot. Anyway, I've just gone on. What did you think, Tom? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I think that the the idea is that, so I think all of the TV series that, that have been streamed so far on Disney Plus have been, and we've spoken about it before, how closely they've been linked to the MCU. And 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 this was very much the same. It felt as though it was setting up that next phase of, of Marvel, didn't it? Which it seems is going to be multiverse, like is going to be time travel and multiverse. I always find time travel series complicated. I, f- I found the time travel element in Avengers Endgame like quite complex, and and I don't think that was the, I don't think that was even supposed to be complex. Like <laughs> I think I think as soon as you get into multiple like linear narratives then it's 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 instantly a little bit complicated so i felt the same thing yeah ha- having said that you you mentioned this that you think they did a relatively good job in six episodes and setting it up i think that there were there was evidence of them being like relatively thoughtful and careful with it one of the first questions that i had was so when when loki was being punished by the tva my first question was well why didn't this happen to the avengers and they answered it quite quickly, so I feel as though they had they had made an effort to kind of explain it and try and hold our hands through it as much as as possible. But it feels as though their decision is is to go with like multiverse in the next in the next phase. And in in that sense, I think this is probably quite crucial as a conduit to to the next phase of of Marvel into like introducing it as an idea. I thought it was interesting that you said that there was a lot of CGI because one of the elements that I found slightly underwhelming in the series was it's like lack of commitment to spectacle and CGI because I feel as though if you're going like multiverse, I felt as though you could have had huge Lokis and like, and very different Lokis, but you know, when they're pruned and like he meets multiple variants of Loki, there was, I, I felt as though there was, there was room there for like a more outrageous one, but kind of, it was just like, Loki in different costumes an and Richard E. Grant in, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and one was a tiny alligator. So I felt as though like that is where they could have ploughed more like money and CGI in into it to, to make it a bit more of a spectacle. I, I, I have yeah I I do I, I feel as though we're on the same page in terms of I did feel slightly underwhelmed I I I did I felt as though yeah that was perhaps. A product of it of of the time travel element being a little too complex and 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 not very direct in like how it impacts you and not and not that dramatic necessarily. Yeah. But for me, one of the big parts was was it not committing to spectacle, and that's strange in itself because that's what I think was maybe so great about parts of WandaVision and yes, yeah, was that it didn't have to be that big Marvel thing, but this this felt as though there was room for it for it to be that. So what about the big event? So without giving spoilers away, did you not think sort of, I'd imagine, I, I guess, examples are fight scenes and any kind of, when they went back in time, that's 
I feel like there was an aspect of spectacle there which was jarring for me. That's why I'm kind of putting that with one of my. There definitely was. I just didn't think it was extended to the characters. Okay. How, what did you think? What did you think about Sylvie as like? What What are your thoughts on her? That's a good question. I'm still kind of undecided because I. I understand why they did that, but I also don't know whether it was necessary. We don't always need a love story. And it was, for me, I also find it hard. I found it hard to reconcile that love story because we know she's a Loki. They're Lokis. And also, what are we saying? I don't know. That's where, for me, it also became a bit far-fetched again. And I love far-fetched, but this, for me, at so many times, it was on that line of too far-fetched and far-fetched. And that sort of thing is what pushes it to too far-fetched for me and I understood why it was used because it brought about different he learned about himself I think it enabled his character to change in the way it need, he needed to change but I don't know whether they could have done that some in a different way I thought they bounced off each other really well and I have no issues with them I thought they had great chemistry and everything but I just don't know I wasn't rooting for them amazingly I was kind of but I was also like mm, but is this not a little bit narcissistic which it is I found like a conventional love story, like it's funny. I found it really jarring because I just don't feel as though I've like seen it in 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 this kind of place for such a long time. Because Hollywood and 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 all of these mainstream shows are trying not to do that kind of conventional Hollywood like love story. And so when they were doing it, I noticed myself saying, "Oh, okay, so that's that's what it's going to be." Like how interesting! Like what a what an old-fashioned choice. Not that you can't ever do that conventional love story anymore, but it felt weird in, in Marvel now. I guess they're kind of unconventional in, like, it's not incestuous, but it's a little bit incestuous, but it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but I'm with you. I totally agree. I will have to say as well, though, I thought they did a great job at the costume design, because obviously, because of time travel, I like to look at things like costume design, and I think they did that really well in all the different periods they went to, so was interesting and entertaining yeah the aesthetic of like the tva was was interesting wasn't yeah it? and quite an interesting little world for example but yeah no it, it, i think it was another hit for marvel but maybe may, maybe the most underwhelming one so far i'd say yeah, agreed Now it's time for the Rogue Shows. Rogue Shows is where we recommend a couple of shows which may have passed you by or that we feel are worth revisiting. I'm talking about Catterick, which is a series that was created by Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. Yeah, Bob Mortimer sort of had a bit of a renaissance recently. With He's got a fishing programme with Paul Whitehouse and he does regular appearances on panel shows and stuff. And I think that he's catapulted himself back into the public consciousness for being just very funny one of the funniest people in the country and obviously he's famous for shooting stars but he has done a couple of scripted shows he's done house of fools and catterick and i feel as though catterick is probably the lesser watched of the two it came out in 2004 and stars bob mortimer vic reeves and also reese shearsmith mortimer plays an ex-soldier who's returned home from service in cyprus and I honestly can't remember too much of the plot, but that's because it's actually the least important or interesting thing about the show. It's just it's just Mortimer and, and Reeves, really. It's their surreal brand of humour. It's really funny, kind of stands the test of time, and is worth a watch if you find either of those two funny. 
Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media with Channel Hoppers Pod on Instagram and see you next time.